Oh, I thought I'd have something uh, to begin the episode, but um, I'm just going to have to be uh, kind to myself and recognise that sometimes you hit record and you have a great idea to start something with, and then sometimes you don't. And when that happens, you just, you know, you have to give yourself a cuddle and say, it's okay, you'll get it next time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Welcome to the A to Z of happiness with Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. Join us as we unpack the science of happiness one letter at a time. This week, it's S for self-compassion. Uh, you've known me for, for a wee while, sweetheart, and yet you still hang out with me. And... Feelings <laughs> <laughs> entirely mutual. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it doesn't... There are like a couple of like soap boxes forever in my presence on which I will... Can I, you've heard of like people like going to things at the drop of a hat. Like there's a, if there's a hat within a 50 mile radius, I'll get onto this soapbox. And this particular one is about self-compassion because it has been one of the biggest game changers in my life. I mean, I remember I came to it through a slightly circuitous route through the work of Brene Brown because she had, you know, her very famous TEDx talk, you know, about the power of vulnerability and... Is this a safe space? Well, I, I mean, it is, to, uh, as far as I'm concerned, darling. You know, I've never seen or read anything that Brené Brown has written or presented. That's okay. Everything I've known about her work has come from um, people like you. Uh, you know, you people. Yeah. Has come from, you know, <laughs> from external sources. <laughs> and I keep meaning to go and read all of her things and watch all of her TED Talks, but I still have yet to. Well, I mean, you say all of her TED Talks. There's only like one or two, like no. the, 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 fir the first one, like 20 minutes worth. And and I think actually having, we've been having conversations recently about, you know, your direction of moving into creativity as a spiritual practice. And, you know, she talks about, you know, her breakthrough, which actually was a breakdown, you know. So there's, I think there's little bits and things. And with any kind of, author or speaker and again we've spoken to this you know privately it's the same ideas just it's the same notes but just played on different instruments you know and what she talks about you know while it's not necessarily on the lines of you know um manifestation or removing your upper ceiling limits etc cetera, etc cetera, there is something here about living wholeheartedly mm. you know and i think this is where you know, self-compassion can really come in because it was in one of her talks in her book, um, Daring Greatly, where she talks about, you know, self-compassion and the work of a researcher in particular, Dr. Kristen Neff, um, to yes, whom I've That one I have read. That one, there you see, you like, so <laughs> this is, this is <laughs> the thing. I've read the highlights, I've read the good bits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. The original source material. Exactly, exactly. You know, and I've put, you know, links to a number of Dr. Kristen's uh, Neff's um, website in the show notes as well, because it's a very simple, very accessible place to start with self-compassion. You know, because sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming knowing where to start with so many resources. But yeah, this is how I, I, I came to it. And it must have been over a decade ago now. And I used to struggle dreadfully i remember oof, it's funny how this memory memory comes up i had broken up from my long-term relationship at the time a 12-year relationship and i was struggling to sleep i'd moved into this this flat that i'm in now and was doing kind of, i think was it polyphasic kind of like getting four hours during the night and four hours during the day mm. And funnily enough, not doing particularly well on that schedule mm -hmm. and just having to spend using it like a mantra of I forgive myself, I forgive myself, I forgive myself just to be able to downregulate my nervous system enough so I could actually just shift out of this complete threat state um, because that's the thing with self-compassion. And it's and it's balm on the soul. I think so many of us, while we may not identify with, you know, being perhaps a perfectionist, can almost certainly recognize the inner critic. <laughs> you know, that voice that bless, bless its heart, to use a Brene Brownism, um, 
is trying to protect us, but doing it in the shittiest way possible by pointing mm-hmm. out all the reasons why everyone's going to reject us or think we're shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, it, it can be so logical and so <laughs> pragmatic in the way, you know, because yes, there's sometimes there's just that aimless fear thing mm. that, you know, the, the fear voice or the chimp has... Um, Dr. Steve Peters. Steve Peters, thank you. Mm. Um, of course, you've of course you've read Chim Paradox. Um, it's, it's over there somewhere. <laughs> she said vaguely pointing vaguely to a pointing. stack of books, which some Swat. of which, no, well, not not all of which I've read. Like most of them, I've just kind of like flicked through and gone, "Oh, that's interesting." Um, Are you the Hermione Granger of happiness? We'll, we'll park that and we'll, we'll yeah. I wish uh, I had one of that. I wish I had the time device thing, so I yes. could like that would be. I yeah. Oh, yeah. And if I don't straighten my hair, yeah, definitely. Like early, <laughs> early years, Hermione. God, yeah. There you go. Done. Um, Sorted. Yes. The uh, the yeah that voice can can it can squeal and it can just be you you know don't go in there there's lions but mm. then sometimes it can give you very logical and very sort of sane seeming answers for why something is terrible. Yes. Um, uh, you know, or why you are terrible, and it's mm. that it's that voice the really sane sort of ordered voice that can be the hardest to to do battle with. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we are, this is something which I we used to talk about, you know, when I, when I was um, doing happiness training, you know, we are seduced by logic and rational, you know, rational arguments because we feel, fear that, you know, anything that's emotion-based is unreliable. It is transitory. And so, you know, having these logical arguments in our head about why we are, you know, unworthy, unlovable, whatever, not enough, usually, you know, boils down to. Um, and they're always going to be, well, I'll just say always, but, you know, if you talk to different people, you know, the core things will be the same, but the way they manifest will be different and they'll manifest in ways which verify our existing negative stories about ourselves you know this is where the um power of these comes from it's not just the fact that they're logical we believe that they are rooted in a truth a truth which we fear others also believe that's the that's where i'm just seeing your face i don't like it because that's too spicy because it is that thing isn't it's like if you know if someone said to me oh god you're such a ditzy blonde i'll go well ditzy yeah but blonde (laughs) that's not a thing you know so that doesn't that's not in my frame of things to worry about you know but it's like there are you know and i I know, I'll, I'll own this, but I imagine it's universal. You know, there are certain things about me which I fear um, reveal that I'm lacking, basically. You know, if, if you stuck me in a lineup with like other like normal people and found this out, you know, I, 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 w- I would stick out and I would, I would then be banished from the kingdom for being, for being X, Y or Z. And so it's always that fear that other people go, yeah, I can see that too. Yeah. <laughs> which is what our self, our inner critic is trying to protect us from. He's trying to keep us from sticking out in a bad way. Which feels like it, it often means sticking out at all. Yes. You know, and I mm. think when, when you're working, you work now with, you know, c- people who are creative and trying to use their creativity in the world. And isn't that what being, you know, expressing our full selves and being creative is all about, is actually about standing out, is actually... Yeah being the lightning rod, which, which requires you to be of a different material and of a different height, frankly, <laughs> you know, to, 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 to attract the, 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 the lightning bolt of inspiration or energy from others and being able to encapsulate it and direct it into something, you know, having that sensitivity, that receptivity, which means that, yeah, by default, you know, it's, and so there's always going to be this tension of, you know, do I stand out? And, you know, follow follow my bliss or whatever it is, or be creative or actually communicate that which I'm sensing. Or do I let the inner critic silence me, keep me 
uh, from articulating that which is alive in me. Yeah, I was going to say, keep you quiet and keep you safe. Yes, yes. That is because it's like, it's like, it's like uh, the mental image that comes into mind is fire. Mm. There's something ablaze within you. Mm. And there, then there is the fear that am I near other flammable objects? Mm. Will, will, will people see the fire and, and perceive me as dangerous? And so, yeah, this is kind of, you know, why I think it's very rare to find someone who can't be just a little bit kinder to themselves because there's all these conflicting, you know, I, I, I was talking to someone about, you know, ad- advice that they often get and it's kind of like or on regulating their emotions and we kind of talked about it and it's like, yeah, but there's like the multiple selves within us that always thinks, you know, that's going to be just like, oh, if I, if I'm this kind of person, I can do, I will do that. Whereas, you know, I, I'm this small village. Occasionally there's a chieftain there. Most of the time it's, you know, <laughs> some, sometimes there's like a wisdom group. Sometimes they're just having a rave. I, have lost track now sometimes it just depends on the time of the day um Mm. and so being able to have this ability to treat ourselves and these qualities with a kindness and a curious attention you know this 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 responsiveness because there is suffering in this you know there's a suffering in being alert and alive to these different impulses, these different energies outside us and within us, you know, without kind of either turning away from it, which, you know, we can often do because we don't want to be overwhelmed. We've got things to do. Um, Or the opposite, I was indulging in it, you know, Mm. being so caught up in it that we are rendered uh, incapacitated by the self-loathing, by the self-hatred, by the glaring facts, as we will believe them, that we are shit, we do not deserve to be around other people because either we're a bad influence. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. You know, so this is why I'm such a big fan of self-compassion because we all have these pains, we all have these challenges, just from sheer dint of being human it's part of like the way our brains have evolved you know we have this this primal ancient part which is all about you know fighting reproduction protection food etc etc and then we've got this capacity for imagination this capacity to dream and it's wonderful when it's when we're moving towards things and creating beautiful things and dreaming of new plans but it's also the same capacity to which we can use to imagine horrible futures or ourselves in horrible ways and it's that kind of thing that just needs some some gentle love and care yes indeed um so we can look at the the basic concept of what self-compassion is of just being nice to each other or being nice to ourselves Mm. um what is it in more detail you know are there are there things we can practice are there component parts um yeah how do we how do we actually start making this a practice well i think you know with 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 anything having an understanding of its components because i think when when people say you know well self-compassion well that's just okay so what do i have a hot bath tonight and it's like yeah um is a tub of ice cream self-compassion we we will discuss we will discuss you know but there is this thing you know for the last you know, since 2003, you know, I mentioned her before, Dr. Kristen Neff. She has been the lead researcher in the field of self-compassion. And she created you know, and developed and validated a scale to help us measure how self-compassionate we are. And she has come up with kind of like these three pillars of self-compassion, which are loosely based on, um, you know, Buddhism, actually. But, you know, before I even go into that, one of the things which surprises me about the research is, you know, I guess it's over over like 20 years, is how widely, how widely it has been applied and tested. Because I was just looking on her website, there's a whole list of the research that she's done or that other people have been doing. And just to give you kind of like a bit of a, an idea of the breadth before we go into the, into the pillars, you know, things like sports performance, the stress of breast cancer, job satisfaction, 
drug addiction, perfectionism, you know, body image and eating disorders, uh, entrepreneurial decision making. One of my favorite papers actually looks into this. And, you know, obviously things like depression and anxiety. And these are just kind of like very top level things that I just, like, I think I got up to like halfway through the letter B of researchers and I thought, screw it, that's enough. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's enough to cover. And so when we think about all those different areas, all these different aspects of our lives, this helps us to get a sense of these three pillars. And they are self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. And so this idea of self-kindness rather than self-judgment, you know, we've been talking about the inner critic and that's self-judgment, you know, looking at ourselves and going, yeah, that's, that's wrong, that. <laughs> oh, no, if I, if I were you, I wouldn't start from there, you know. <laughs> you know, where the, self, where the self-kindness aspect is. I often often think of it as being there for ourselves. You know, right now, you know, I'm just placing a hand on my chest over my heart, which is just this little just little gesture to say, "Hey, I'm here for you." You know, we often think about being, you know, random acts of kindness for others and how impactful that can be actually just bringing this in to ourselves and giving ourselves that kind of care. And then this is a huge one for me because I'm so socially isolated, common humanity rather than isolation. One of the things that can spring from the self-judgment is shame. This is why when we were talking about, you know, we have these fears and we're afraid that other people can can, can smell it too, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. yes. That's, that's quite real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, you know, realizing that and 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 when you know and i've and i've been guilty of this you know like i only discovered you know the self-compassion literature you know over a decade ago so there was was a number of years before then when holy shit i could have needed it (laughs) but when i was very afraid that other people would judge me for the things i was judging myself i would feel that i was not fit for human consumption. I was not, I, sh- I shouldn't pull away from people because there was something wrong with me and I didn't want to experience further rejection because I'm rejecting myself. I didn't want these things confirmed by others, except I didn't want to make them real, <laughs> you know. Um, whereas common humanity is, It's this lovely thing of going, whatever I'm going through, including all these shameful feelings, all these desires to pull away, that actually proves that I'm part of the human race rather than something I need to use as a way to separate myself from it. We're all part of a a spectrum. We're all part of uh, the bell curve. Um, Funnily enough, I, I tried to explain a bell curve to my... So every now and again, I, I chatted with my my therapist from last year, and I was like, "He seems like a nice dude, but like, I don't know if he's like, I don't know if I'd recommend him." Um, he didn't know what a bell curve was, and I thought I thought most people most you know people knew what a bell curve was, especially when we were talking about like difference and uh, abnormalities and those kinds of things. It's like I was talking about the fat end of the bell curve, and he was like, "I don't know what you mean." Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to you know, not to not to judge the man. Of um, course, but, you know, we can we can still be kind. But yes, it's one of those things. You know, okay. Well, I guess you know, depend. It depends on the background and if it's like in, yes. into sciences and stuff. Because I guess you know, it is. It's not. It is a common idea, but not one if you studied arts or humanities, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. back to our back to our thing. You're like, yes, we we are all on that spectrum. We are all on that line somewhere. We're not we're not a dot. We're not. Uh, f- if, if, the, if this reference lands for anyone, um, the Jeremy Beremy uh, line, which is a line that signifies the uh, movement of space time, um, as as it relates to the sitcom The Good Place, um, <laughs> that we think time moves linearly, linearly, and in fact, it moves in a line that looks it, when you write it out like the name Jeremy Beremy. Um, <laughs> And there's a dot over the eye that signifies never and also Tuesdays. Um, and, and so 
my point being, we are not the dot over the eye. We are part of the whole continuum and um, message yeah. ends. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think this, it is something that really can help us to remember when things are tough. I think that, that for me is, you know, feeling alone in it. And, you know, while that can actually, you know, be physically, absolutely, even just knowing that whatever it is I'm going through, other people have experienced it because I am a human being and other human beings have been, there, there have been enough iterations of this particular thing like, for, for it to have been a thing before. Yeah. How, how weird would it be if you were the only person in the entirety of human existence that had a particular, you know, thing that yeah. you thought pointed you out and made you shameful or made you not part of humanity. It's like in 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 all of human existence, you're the one that that has <laughs> doubt it, mate. <laughs> Absolutely, and because it is, you know, it's but it's coming. It's always coming down to these core things as well. So you might have an idea which makes you stand out but there have been other people who've had ideas that have made them stand out etc etc and most of them existed before the internet um and so most of them didn't get written down and most of them you know and if you think about other things like okay maybe in in my time i've googled something about myself that maybe i'm a bit uh ashamed of uh or embarrassed by Hmm. and oh lo and behold i haven't really found much on the internet about that it's almost as if people who are ashamed don't want to share that stuff <laughs> and so therefore it can you know make you feel a bit more isolated because if you're not seeing yourself represented in that sense then you know yeah. but that's also part of what shame does is it, it isolates yeah. us absolutely absolutely and then the final thing because i think this is what is the thing is like being aware of all these things is an aspect of mindfulness you know being able to recognize what's going on inside us, you know, tuning in, feeling it, allowing it, and yet not going into over-identification. You know, I mentioned before, you know, this idea of, you know, being, you know, responsive to our own suffering without turning away or indulging in it. I'm going to try not to get onto the other soapbox I always have next door to me, which is on acceptance and commitment training. But, you know, this, or, you know, this idea of the talk about of, self as context so we are the page you know rather than the words that are written on it and i think what can happen with over identification is you know we just see the words we just see whatever is written on there and believe that that is who we are without recognizing that we are the white space that allows those words to be visible so yeah i mean i guess this is probably a good time to start so going into into the prompts and i think you know, when we're talking about self-compassion, I think the first one, you know, we start, start with a fairly, I, I don't know whether it's basic point, but, you know, you know what, what's stopping you from treating yourself with compassion? Because I think there's such a lot of, so many myths about self-compassion, you know, that it's uh, self-pitying or indulgent. Or even the fact that, you know, there's a huge thing in the 80s. If you go into like a secondhand bookshop now, you know, like all these old books on like increasing your self-esteem so you think better about yourself. That was a really interesting um, distinction that was made in the book, um, in in her sort of seminal work, actually, uh, of Kristen Neff's book about self-compassion versus uh, self-esteem uh, and the, the the difficulties and the problems in that in that mentality. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, because it is this idea of, you know, particularly uh, most of us have contingent Mm self-esteem. And so if we're doing well or things are going well, or people are treating us well, we feel well about ourselves. And then if we start doing badly, that's when we start being cruel to ourselves, you know, and having the self-compassion and, you know, having the self-compassion thing, being able to, what's that line? Um, in if, you know, treating kings and beggars just the same. It's almost that kind of approach, really, and means that we can often get, you know, the benefits of self-esteem of, you know, having our own back or um, being feeling that we can accomplish things, but without the downside of the narcissism, the one-upism that can often happen when you have contingent self-esteem, you know, wanting to do better than others. It's almost, to me, I'm thinking of um, 
the difference between the sort of the 80s salesman who, <laughs> like thinking of um, Steve Coogan, Coogan's run as, I think it's Alan Cheeseman, um, <laughs> who is uh, some sort of, I can't remember what he sold, mm. um, but, he, you know, it was just, it, it was him at a, at a, you know, convention and he's there in the, uh, in the, the little lit uh, mm. mirror in his hotel room going, you're a tiger, rah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that, that pumping up and that sort yeah. of, that versus the sense of however it goes, I'll have your back. Yeah. And that's the difference. It's, it's, it's the pumping up to go out and perform and you'd better, put, you know, the stakes have never been higher and you've got to go out and smash it versus... Mm. Listen, it's going to go how it goes, and I'm yeah. going to love you e- either way because I know you're going to do your best because you always do. Yeah. Um, and if you get into hot water, I'm going to have your back. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's these things, really. You know, and it can be almost like revolutionary, you know, to counter these, you know, the the internalized messages from our, you know, culture, which is always encouraging us to hustle, you know, to pump ourselves up, you know, to fake it till you make it. You know, and views kind of like recognizing that you're struggling as a sense of, as a as a sign of weakness, actually. And yeah, this kind of in particular, I think there's. I do wonder whether people feel that self compassion is some something for women. You know, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Kind of like it's like one of those yes, self care things. Mean, but yeah, you know, kind yeah. of like it's along the line. You know, being sold along the lines of you know next door to like the bath salts and the scented candles. You know, be be kinder to yourself. Well, actually, can I can I present a reframe for men Please. if they need it? Yes. Let's let's do hardcore self compassion. Okay, <laughs> you you were grown up. You you were socialized to be the warrior, the protector, the provider. You're the one that keeps everybody safe. Well, the best way to keep everybody I don't know why I'm doing it in this voice. The best way to keep everybody else safe is to keep yourself safe. That's the ultimate warrior. The ultimate warrior takes care of the inside of himself. Gillette, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, well, maybe it does need a reframe of like, you know, if, 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 our, if, if the, the, the socialised male idea is yeah. he's got to protect the tribe and the, protect the women and the children and all that, yeah. then, for, you know, reframe it as, yeah, in order to do that, I've got to look after myself and I've got to, I've got to think the best of myself. Uh, and that's got to come from a real place. It can't come from a fake place because the second I uh, uh, eat the wrong berry, uh, mm. I'm going to kick myself for ages, you know, rather yeah. than going, hey, you know, those two berries, they look the same. Mm. Um, you know, you're going to be stronger if you can be more resilient against your own sense of shame. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, interestingly, there is something now... Um, Men... <laughs> well, well, I mean, there is like this, this, this thing of like fierce self-compassion because often, often kind of the idea of self-compassion tends to be quite um, yin, quite soft, receptive, being attentive to our needs. But like the yang of it, the fierce self-compassion is making sure people don't cross our boundaries, you know, mm. recogni- recognizing that we have value, intrinsic value, you know, being not taking any shit. You know, um, Dr. Kristen Neff talks about it, like being fierce mama bear energy. Like, mm. oh my God, like it wasn't necessarily like self-compassion directed, but um, one of our mutual friends, I was talking to him the other night and he's been getting, going through the mill due to a situation which we won't discuss now. And I just felt this fierce mama bear energy come up over mm. me because he, he doesn't have a mum anymore. And so I was like, okay, right, how dare someone treat my cup this way? I will, you know. And it's this kind of protective, I said, fierce energy that will, I think um, Dr. Joan Halifax talks about it as having a strong back and a soft front. Mm. And I think that's the thing, you know, it's not just about, oh, giving ourselves, you know, a hot bubble bath and a scented candle as lovely as I enjoy both those things yeah, but it is of course but it is about having this strong back of recognizing boundaries and 
acknowledging that we have them and when people cross them being allowing ourselves to go actually as a as a act of kindness to myself i need to say no and no further i'm also thinking a little bit of uh, there's a, a this is cultural um you know different cultures will have this in, in probably in different amounts mm. but i know in in irish culture there is a sort of aggressive kindness that is almost uh, uh, well often uh pointed towards alcohol and it is just like you'll you'll have a fucking drink and it's like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all right for now no you'll take a drink you'll take a drink you know but it, and it's 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 like it's pr- it's quite you know uh, you, you know, walking in the door. You haven't been fed. You need to get some food in here, right? I'm going to get a sandwich. Do you want a sandwich, right? Sit down there. I'm going to get you a sandwich. Do you want a beer? Have a glass of beer, right? You haven't had a beer. Come and have a beer. Come and be nice to you. You know, like, and it's it's all yeah. that stuff that, <laughs> you know, comes from this sort of really lovely place, but it's actually quite sort of like, bam, you know. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> yes, there's, there's something in that that I think we, um, it's like, yeah, don't you dare talk to my friend like that. Be, you yeah. know, be the friend being me. Like, how, how do yeah. you? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And I think, you know, so there's, there are all these cultural, you know, external reasons why we might feel, um, or the messages that we've internalized about self compassion. But it's also, I remember I was attending a webinar on mindful self compassion, and there was a woman there in her mid to late 40s, I'd say and you know being taken through it was on, this is online and being taken through the practices and you know I, I wasn't a facilitator I was just an att- attendee otherwise I would have jumped in and could actually see in real time the realization of how she had been talking to herself up until that point in her life and the the grief and I could see her closing down and withdrawing you know because this this can be the thing you know moving it trying these self-compassion practices it's 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 wonderful and it's lovely and it can really trigger up strong emotions you know there's the example that Kristen Neff talked about is uses the idea of backdrafts in firefighting when you know a door opens and suddenly oxygen in there you know, some of these things have been closed down so much. And, you know, there's a quote on her website. Um, I don't know where it's from and all the shape, but she says, you know, she talks about, you know, when we give ourselves unconditional love, we discover the conditions under which we were unloved. And I think that is when it can really be quite intense. You know, this is kind of the thing which can still bring grief to my eyes, even, you know, when I treat myself com- with, with with kindness and care and just my mind goes to those times and those places when that care wasn't given to me. And there can be a real anguish, actually. And a sort of, because you said the word grief, I guess a yeah. grief of what was lost, you know, a grief for what you never allowed yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And... Also for me, knowing that the way I responded to others was handicapped by that omission towards myself. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this uh, yesterday. Um, I So when I was 18, uh, my piano teacher, very kindly, I don't think, I don't think he ever charged for this. Or, you know, he, he charged reasonably well for his services but um i don't think he charged me for this uh he um facilitated me recording um a collection of songs and it was like a full collection like 10 songs i think um and uh you know he's written and recorded and played them on the piano and all that stuff and he he set up all the recording and did all that for me and gave me a cd of all the you know all the things um and one of his sons or actually his only son um that uh i used to hang around with with the family and um this guy was you know often like he didn't lie he didn't you know that was not one of these things he didn't say the nice thing uh, and he said you know there were some songs in there that he liked and you know i did then what i have done for you know 15 years hence is find a way to either take that as sarcasm 
or as pity or something else because that that bit in me won't let in the idea that someone might say something nice about me or a thing that I've made because they appreciated it, not because they wanted to be nice. Um, and yeah, it just sort of just made me, made me think about that. There's all of those lost opportunities, but also all of the ways that it makes us behave to other people can make us appear standoffish. You know, the amount of times I took something as sarcasm or as a, or as a dig when actually it was just someone pointing out something they knew and liked about me. Um, but because there was this toxic bit in me that, that said any observation is a judgment and any judgment is therefore, uh, a judgment that you are left wanting, um, you know, to be seen is to be judged. It, it, you know, that bit in me was so punished and so beaten down that it, it just, it couldn't accept, you know, a nice thing. And so then it made me less approachable because anytime someone's going to compliment you, you're going to just bat it back or say something that feels a bit more, not necessarily aggressive, but yeah, certainly standoffish. Yeah, your discomfort becomes manifest between you. I think that is how I would kind of look at that. And so I think, you know, this is, you know, and it's interesting, you know, talking about, you know, bringing other people's opinions because like my second prompt is, uh, you know, are you kinder to others than you are to yourself? There's kind of, I always think about there being like three directions of compassion, you know, and the two of them are, about, I don't know, I don't know, kind of like the first one is, you know, to others. And I think this is, the most socially acceptable route. Uh, this is the one which we we are most encouraged to be. To ourselves is is this thing now that we're talking about the self compassion, and then there is of course you know actually receiving that compassion from others. And I do feel that that is often the most vulnerable place to be. And you know just thinking about you know being kinder to others than you are to yourself, you know. Sometimes one of the kindest things is that I've been able to do for myself is to accept the kindness from others. I feel like I've got all sorts of things to say uh, about this because the book, you know, when I read uh, Kristin Neff's book, um, it, someone, a friend of mine um, recommended it to me and this is back in Pando time and um, I was already in therapy then with a much better therapist. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Other Man. You're a nice man. Um, but this was the thing that really blew things open for me. And it's it's what I needed. Um, I think I needed to do the work before because there was so much that I devalued myself. Yeah. Um, and so I, I sort of needed to get to a kind of a neutral point of finding myself acceptable as a human being. Yes. that I could then go yeah. on to the next part of actually being able to uh, access some some self-compassion. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would like to think, well, I was going to say, I was about to say, I would like to think I was kinder to other people than to myself. But, you know, now as someone who who tries to practice self-compassion, and I want to talk about the trying bit in a bit, yes. um, I don't know how much of that I, you know, I like, because yes, we want to be equally kind to ourselves uh, as we are to other people. It's not always easy. It's not, it's not. I mean, one of the classic self-compassion exercises is the best friend technique, which is, you know, imagine your friend is in distress or trouble. You know, what kind words would you say to them to ease their their pain, to, to help them feel that they're not alone and that you are there for them and then actually using that kind of language towards yourself I tell you what, if you have, if you want to, if you really want to make yourself cry, um, <laughs> I might try this at, uh, at some point. Sing the song "Bridge Over Troubled Water" to yourself. Oh, yeah, because the the words in that song, if you can extend those to yourself, my God, I think I think if you do that, you might have cracked the universe and you might ascend as a being. <laughs> If you can, if you can genuinely say those words to yourself and mean them, yeah. um, then I think you probably ascend to become a being made of pure light. Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, one of the things that I am, you know, I, you know, I mentioned earlier on, I've mentioned through this podcast, the fact that I am so socially isolated. One of the things I do is I have to be my own best friend because I'm just physically not around other people to intervene. You know, and so I have when I am extraordinarily uh, distressed I am 
this is i mean i do actually do have uh schizophrenia in in my lineage um but i am able to split in two and so there is the part of me it's like a very young hurt child aspect that's absolutely sobbing their heart out and there's this other aspect that i call my inner beloved who is like this bigger sense of myself who will just be there and wrap its arms around the part of me that's hurting and when that talks I stop crying I'm like completely centered completely grounded and then I move back into like the response which is me bawling my eyes out and then having you know it's 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 a it's a thing and so you know and I do try where possible to be and I think it is it's always going to be a balance thing I I I personally think that it is easier this is a controversial point that it is I maybe that it is easier to be kinder to yourself if someone has modeled to you how to do it yes oh absolutely I've been having a conversation with someone recently and they and I said oh I'm going to do some more work and they were like well it's getting quite late shouldn't you rest <laughs> you know it's like christmas is coming up <laughs> and i was like yeah but i want to get ahead of things or you know so 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 i'm not so stressed and stuff and they were like yeah but mm. you know and actually just having that that little kind of of, of prompt you know made me remember to you know look soapbox books studied even I still need reminders to give a shit about myself. You know, yeah. this is part of being human. It's not being in that zone of light. It's kind of it's the mindfulness thing of returning ourselves back and again and again with with kindness back to the realization that we, um, you know, deserve love and care. Because um, because this is this is the thing. You know, we are if we're cr- cruel to ourselves, we're triggering our own inner threat system. You know, I used mm-hmm. to liken it to, you know, we also used to think, well, no, those horror movies that, oh, you know, let's, 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 let's hide in this house to be safe from the threat. But the threat is inside the house. The call people. is coming from inside the house. And so, you know, just looking to the differences and how, you know, we talk to, to others versus ourselves, you know, whether we are, you know, the critic and the criticized or the soother and the soothed, you know, is a way to, really because it's it is it's just extending the kindness you know in in multiple directions that's all it is so uh our third prompt um is an interesting one because it's it it brings up a question that i that i've had um which i I will i will sort of drive us steer us into before before the actual prompt which is one of the things that i had to learn (laughs) <laughs> this gets meta is I had to learn a way to be self-compassionate when I didn't know how to do it yet. Um, so when, when I found moments where I was uh, triggered or, or upset by something, I would have this sort of dual moment of, uh, you know, the, the old me, you know, was sort of spiraling and playing the scenario back and thinking, you know, trying to understand and analyze and piece together and all this stuff. And then this new part of me would come along and say, you don't need to do any of that. It's okay. You know, I'm sorry that you felt, uh, I'm sorry that you were triggered. I'm sorry that you were upset. Um, and that didn't always work to begin with. And so then there's this meta layer on top that that you have to sort of say, it's okay. Like, don't worry about the fact that you're not instantly able to soothe yourself. You're still learning how to do this. Um, and so there's, you know, there's that extra layer that can come on top to go, it's all right, you're new, you're new at this. You're not going to suddenly be able to make everything okay just yet. Uh, I, I know that's the promise, but it will take time and it will take practice. So it's, it's okay. So um, yeah, the, the third prompt um, is, is how can we be kinder to ourselves uh, right now? Um, even just a little. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is where, you know, that, that meta layer for me has been really helpful because there are times when I can't be self-compassionate with myself <laughs> and I have to be compassionate with myself about not being able to be self-compassionate. Yes. If you've used up all your spoons and self-compassion <laughs> takes one extra spoon, if you don't yeah. have it, then, yeah. oh Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> what do we do now? 
and 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 also you know i think there's something about you know being self-compassionate in self-compassionate in the moment to ease you know the present suffering and there are times when if we cannot access that at that time and we don't have others to you know, this, this is why we are designed, you know, as a social species. We can't always regulate ourselves. We can't always give ourselves the best example. Sometimes we just need someone to wrap their arms around us and go, I've got you. And if we don't, don't have that and we, and we do spiral, what happens afterwards is it's, it's this, this, the second arrow thing of, you know, we have the original injury, you know, what's going on and, the, the the pain and the the anguish and the shame that that triggers what we can then do afterwards is add an extra hour of pain of going oh I shouldn't be feeling like this oh I should know better oh I should you know it's very often very often these sentences start with the word should have you noticed that um and this then compounds the problem this then compounds the issue this, this then amplifies the pain. And sometimes it's just, just that thing of, okay, this is what I'm experiencing right now. Sometimes that's as much as you can do. And that's, that's a hell of a lot. It, it's what, you know, there is an op- always the opportunity afterwards. You know, I talk about this so much that I really need to study it properly. Attachment, attachment theory, rupture and repair. You know, there are going to be ruptures in our relationship with ourselves and, and self-compassion you don't have to repair during the rupture. <laughs> it can happen afterwards. You know, in the recognizing, in realizing that, oh, you know, that situation wasn't good for me. Maybe, maybe I need to think about whether I want to be in that kind of scenario again, which is the fierce self-compassion. That's the protective energy. That's the boundaries energy. You know, I've been in situations, I've, then I've looked back and I've gone, that was, that was dumb. And being really compassionate with myself, knowing, yeah, and the reason why I was in that situation is because I I needed to feel loved, you know. And so then this kind of like this, it opens up, it expands the conversation with oneself, actually being able to, you know, look into that. And then just kind of, you know, recognizing that particularly, particularly when we are triggered, particularly in the heat of the moment, a lot of us have difficulty tuning in to what we need. You know, I was talking with um, a mutual friend of ours who, you know, is going through, is basically carrying his family on his shoulders by the sound of it and has always done that. You know, part of the challenge he explained was the fact that he's never really been able to know what he needs to be able to ask for it and much more tuned to other people's needs. And so, you know, when I think about this question, you know, how can you be kinder to yourself right now, even just a little Sometimes it's just starting and thinking, you know, where are the sharp edges in my life? What could just do with a little bit of softness, a little bit of smoothness? And then, you know, bringing, you know, making a list of things that perhaps bring you comfort or joy and scheduling them in, you know. And, you know, there's kind of like this difference between comfort and numbing. You talked about the, the pint of ice cream earlier on, you know. Comfort is like a, a few spoonfuls, which you really enjoy. But if you get to the bottom of the pot and you're surprised. Yeah, and you have no memory of how you got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a Brene Brown thing. She was like saying she always knows when she's stressed because she's finding herself in the pantry stuffing biscuits into her face and she has no idea how she, yeah. how she ended up in there. It's like that sort of thing. That's trying to numb the sensation and numb the emotions, which takes us back to the mindfulness and the non-over-identification. Uh, yes. <laughs> Oh, well, um, like you said, with with the the modelling, um, it also is a, an aspect of, or you know, we, we we need others in our life that that can encourage us to remember those needs um, and and to notice when we're in pain. Yeah, because I think you know we could get really woo woo or whatever about mm-hmm. this, but there's the, the idea of you know having a a defined, contained, boundaried self when there is so much self uh, co-regulation, you know, the self and other thing is there is, there's like a physical like line where our bodies end, but the, the energetic, the, the, the emotional, the, the, the emotional contagion aspect of these things means that we are interwoven with others in our lives. And I think this is why, you know, 
I'm going to bring us to this, to our closing thought now of a brief loving kindness meditation. Because I think for some of us, it is only through being able to love others that we are able to find love for ourselves. And so this is going to be quite brief, but if it is safe and comfortable to do so, perhaps close your eyes or lower your gaze and take a breath and let it out and just feel your feet or your sitting bones beneath you whatever support there is for your body as you're listening right now and just get a sense of your body as a whole this miraculous container for your soul and your spirit and just taking a moment to bring to mind someone in or something in your life that's easy for you to love. It could be a partner, a relative, a much beloved pet, a friend. Someone who comes to mind and your heart smiles for just thinking of them. And just imagine them in front of you and wishing them, wishing them good things. Now, may you be happy. Maybe you, may you be healthy. May you be peaceful and may you be, may you live with ease. And just in this moment, just sending these heartfelt messages from your heart to theirs. And almost imagine them in a, beautiful glowing bubble of love and light with these kind words and these kind wishes and just remembering that they struggle like everyone and you wish for those struggles to to be eased somewhat and then I'm going to ask you to join them in this bubble of love and light to allow yourself to experience the same kind of love and care that you've just sent to them. And to perhaps place your hand on your own heart as you're there with them. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I also be peaceful. May I also live with ease. And just recognizing that you can share these good kind wishes this care and this love, this acknowledgement of the struggles, this celebration of your accomplishments, this acknowledgement of your aliveness, and that you are as equally valid for such love and such care as the person who you hold most dear. The A to Z of Happiness is presented by Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. It's produced by Origin and you can find us at a2zofhappiness.com where you'll also find links to the things we discussed. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them, whichever way is easiest for you. Take care and do join us again next week on the A to Z of Happiness. Happiness.